You are now listening to The Last Day's Return of the Historic Faith with your host, Pastor Jeremy Anderson and Brother Matthew Marcel. This podcast is for the kingdom Christian in the end times. As aliens in a foreign land and ambassadors of our king, we proudly fly the flag with the cross as we sing. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Reality Radio Network on Telstar 5 Transponder 5 and on the internet at realityradionetwork.com. It's the 9th of September, the year is 2008, and we're going to do a two-hour special with my friend Tom Horn, and we're going to talk about CERN, we're going to talk about Stargates, we're going to talk about what's really going on, and are there Stargates in Babylon, what is going to come through the Stargates, or is already coming through them, and we're going to take into the uh, two-hour, just a condensed version, this will equal a four-hour normal broadcast show. Hi, Tom. Hi, Steve. Great to be back on with you again. Well, listen, I got a lot of feedback, and people said that's the fastest hour they've ever heard in talk radio. And so 
the thing is, is Tom, is we're on the air right now on the ninth. We're at a very historic point where the CERN particle accelerator is ready to come online, and I think that people need to understand the occult roots of it, and not only the occult roots, but really what is CERN all about? It's not the end of the world. You and I are both on record saying we know from the Scripture, God's Holy Bible, that there is no end of the world. There's the end of the age. But what are your concerns? Let's, let's start out with what is CERN? Well, that's really appropriate because, you know, we start, we left off the last show. We had just, we had just got to the CERN, uh, large hadron collider issue. The, the collider, of course, is only one part of what CERN does, but the, it's the big issue because as of today, we know that unless some last minute issue stops it, uh, tomorrow that technology is going to be, uh, turned on. And among other things, you know, the question is, could it open a gateway between our world and another dimension? You know, on the surface, we're being told that it's going to recreate what happened in the split second after the Big Bang. Um, some people are saying it's going to, if not shatter, at least completely alter in a historic way our understanding, our theories of uh, physics for what, uh, you know, for what might be um, an epic moment, a change, if you will, an epoch in which we, our understanding of quantum physics and physics and the, the, the universe around us may never be the same. We may discover new particles. We may find the Higgs boson, the God particle, which uh, gives mass to everything theoretically. Uh, but even more interesting to me, Steve, is how this CERN collider pretends to prove, physicists say, potentially the existence of unknown dimensions. And, and in doing that, of course, would definitely alter our understanding of the universe, and it could actually be the first baby step toward the kind of discovery that we've only seen in, in sci-fi movies, dimensional realities uh, that have only until now been uh, speculated about. That is, of course, if it doesn't uh, tomorrow sometime during the day, uh, Wednesday, the 10th of September, if it doesn't unleash these uh, super stranglets or world-gobbling black holes, which, as you say, you know, you and I don't uh, believe that we're all going to be wiped out in a couple of split seconds tomorrow morning. But the interesting thing about this is <laughs> you, you mentioned the occult side of CERN. Um, you look at this large statue of the Indian deity uh, Shiva Nataraja at CERN, whose dance, and Shiva as the Nataraja is doing the dance of not just creation, but also destruction. Right, and that's the thing that's so incredible. Hey, Tom, I'm glad you stepped right into it. We're talking about the Hindu deity that is the destroyer, okay? In essence, the equivalent of Abaddon. And the bottom line is this is who the Geneva scientific community, the occultists, chose to uh, represent. And did you notice, too, that their logo is three sixes? Yeah, I have noticed that. Other people have pointed that out. So now we've got a situation going, okay? This is not just a scientific experiment. Science has painted themselves into a corner. This is way more than that. And I can tell you from past information sources that I've had that there's been a lot of, how should we say this, uh, very wise people that have uh, tried to effectuate the um, interruption of that going on. And not because it's going to gobble up the world, but because of what's going to come through it. If you take this as basically the big version of Hellboy's portal in the movie Hellboy, the point is is that we've got something so in our face, but again, men don't understand the ramifications of what they do ten steps down the line. They may have thought this thing out two or three steps, but they're messing in a dimension and, and, and 
plural dimensions that they have no idea of what's uh, they have no idea who's knocking on the other side of that door. You know, uh, Carl Sagan actually some years ago was he was the first guy that I knew who had pointed out. Uh, in physics, this connection between uh, Hindu mythology and the god Shiva doing this dance of creation and destruction. And, of course, you know, the people that have been trying to stop the startup of the super collider, they see Shiva about to do the destruction side of this dance starting tomorrow as um, protons. They're going to be, they're going to be slammed together at this peak, at an unprecedented peak of uh, energy of, uh, I think it's 14 trillion electron volts. That will that will actually create small black holes uh, or these stranglets, and and you know some people think that's what could be unleashed that would destroy the planet. Neither you or I expect that to happen, as you said. But the thing is, this dedication to Shiva does show this. It shows that there is a spiritual dynamic to what's going on at CERN, and that's what's extraordinary. Right, and that's what that's what I think is fascinating. We've had all the the god physicists, or excuse me, the physicists who uh, basically deny God, now they're in the realm where they're stepping into the supernatural. And I, I said something I want to correct. I believe they do know what they're bringing forth, and I do believe that the higher-ups expect, if you will, the light bringer, Lucifer, to basically have his uh, uh, entrance into the planet. Because, again, that's something that we need to make clear, Tom, just as we're looking for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ after the events take place that must take place prior to his second coming, these people uh, believe that God is a bad guy and that the devil's a good guy, and basically they're trying to uh, uh, give him the stairway from heaven into our dimension. And I think that's my number one concern, and we get to Stargates a little later. I think that people really need to understand that these are not people who basically don't know what they're doing. These people know exactly what they're doing. Well, so let's talk about that. I mean, you, you said a minute ago, you know, that people have questioned this official logo for CERN, which does appear to show the beastly number 666. Other people have pointed out that CERN is the shortened name for Sir Nunos, the horned deity of the ancient Celts and Gauls, which later was identified with Pan. So think pan-dimensional. Uh, also pandemonium, which, you know, in mythology was to unleash a frenzy of demons. Yes. Um, other people have looked at the abbreviation for the Hadron Collider, which interestingly uh, is HC, and in Hebrew equals the gate or a gateway. But even even if none of that means anything, even if we're just reading something into some of that uh, metaphorical stuff, this dance of Shiva Nataraja that destroys at the atomic level and then rebuilds from the atomic level upward is intriguing given that this religious metaphor is actually encoded at CERN through this statue. And I'm sure, Steve, that most of your audience understands that all of creation, uh, including intelligent living species and humans whose bodies are temples for their souls and their spirits, all of this is made up of atomic particles, protons, neutrons, surrounded by spinning electrons, forming different molecules of different density, so that the you know the molecules that make up a tree are different than the ones that make up our body. And you might remember uh, Steve in science as a kid having the question asked, why doesn't the uh, you know the repulsive electronic uh, electric force of protons at the uh, atomic nucleus level, why doesn't it cause the protons to fly apart? Remember dealing with that in science class? Absolutely. And back then, they had this theory. It was called gluon. I, I think I may have even talked about this before on your show or some other show. Nobody knew what gluon was, only that we just came up with this term 
to describe the unknown something that was holding everything together. Um, interesting, today they still use this term gluon, but, but they think it has something to do with the overlaying of sound waves, and uh, I won't get into all that. Why that's important is because if gluon is somehow related to sound waves and, and carries what they call the strong nuclear force that's holding everything together, then you have this powerful revelation that can be made from the scripture which tells us uh, several sacred things, actually, about creation. Number one, that God spoke. That is, he emitted sound waves, and by the authority of his audibles, his words, uh, raw atomic energy came forth into these various different molecular structures, each after its own kind. Secondly, that according to, to Hebrews 1.3, it is still he who now, by his word, is holding everything together. That's a gluon, the power of his word. And then, uh, uh, and then thirdly, not only was the word with him in the beginning, not only did he speak everything into existence, but we also know that the word was God, and the word was made flesh in Christ. Now, <laughs> the reason those facts are important, and, 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 and isn't it interesting that the scientists are even looking for the el elusive Higgs bosom, and they call it the God particle. Whatever it is that's giving mass to and also holding together seems to have um, there seems to be hidden this in in creation what we see what we feel feel this trace of divinity the gluon that's holding everything uh, together right and we're told we're told in the word of God that it's the invisible that holds the visible together Colossians one sixteen and seventeen through the Lord Jesus Christ are all things formed and all things held together and and, and exist because of His power. But the deconstruction of his creation. You got it. There and we then, go. And then reconstruction into different material makeup, such as the Siva, Shiva dance pretends to do. This has got to be something people need to be concerned about. Do you think it could be any more in our face? You know, the book of Daniel, we're told knowledge is going to go forth. It's going to be released in the end times. And I, I think it's interesting that I call them God's flashing neon signs. If anybody does not understand that it's not just the experiment, but the spirit or the intent or the motivation behind the experiment, I can't. I, Tom, seriously, can this be any more in our face? Well, Shiva's going to start his dance tomorrow. And I would want people to know that, that while um, I'm not necessarily saying that CERN is going to unleash matter-manipulating demons into the environment, I am saying... There are always huge unknown possibilities whenever men start playing God. Right. And by the way, I am convinced, as a word of prophecy I gave years ago, it's on tape, I think Steve Melching has it. I can't even remember when in Steve's search, but the bottom line is uh, I, I shared a word of the Lord, and it was specifically this, Tom, that as men got into this realm, that the invisible is going to become visible, and that the very things that have been hidden from the sight of man for their safety would come into the realm of man for their destruction. I think that was five years ago. Before. Well, Steve, I believe that is prophetic. Right. And, and now we're seeing unprecedented man's arrogance and inventions. And people need to understand that, that inventions, this is, this is a very interesting study. One of these days, maybe do a whole show just on that. Man's inventions can possess spiritual ramifications. Absolutely. I mean, sci science and technology is a direct extension of intelligence. In other words, the efforts of men or the efforts of other intelligence, prompting men, uh, to comprehend the dynamics behind physics, creation, nature, in other words, what God made. But in, in most cases, 
um, science and technology breakthroughs are for the purposes of either controlling or manipulating creation for very specific reasons. This means that intelligence, including mankind, has the power to use technology in order to open new, unexplored pathways. And it's imperative for people to understand that in many cases technology includes uh, ramifications that lead to moral or spiritual dynamics. For instance, you know, we say we say that individuals can open or close pathways, gateways, doorways into their lives for good or evil spirits, correct? Absolutely. Well, mankind as a whole can also facilitate that with technology. Inventions we make to assist in the supernatural process. For instance, on a very individual level, we create a Ouija board, a Park Brothers invention. But then with this man-made device, we open discourse with unseen powers. You might have saw the news story a few days ago where those girls in Columbia, you know, became demon-possessed after playing with a Ouija board. Absolutely. By the way, I have noticed that firsthand. I've been involved in a real deliverance that is absolutely out of the exorcist-type movie. I'm talking with those types of manifestations. And, Tom, it's amazing how many people that have played with Ouija boards have ongoing spiritual, uh, uh, everything from nightmares to apparitions to, uh, oh, good night, out-of-body experiences that are so horrifying. And until they meet the Lord Jesus Christ and get set free, I mean, I actually know people from my own personal life that have basically perished because they played in that stuff. Well, and but imagine that this is facilitated by man's technology. In other words, we there are things that we can create, we can make, which can open portals, and in this case, on a very personal level, into our lives. But 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 Ouija boards might be really small potatoes to what we're talking about now. Well, Man-made talking, technology yeah. on a grand scale that could open the gateway to evil supernaturalism. You know, um, historically, man, men have done many things uh, that affected whole geographic areas. Man, by his free will, playing God with his inventions, uh, circumventing the laws of God, taking up forbidden technology. Um, in my first book, I don't want to go there, but in my first book, Spiritual Warfare, you might remember, I dedicated several chapters to showing how that in history there were these precedents where whole countries came under demonic influence through the very things that they created and the things that they allowed through their law and invention. Absolutely. And Steve, when I say forbidden technology, as you know, I'm also including as a point in fact that God has ordered man not to create or invent things that would seek to subvert or circumnavigate or challenge his authority, his wisdoms, his wisdom, his limitations, his divine order that we recognize that God may know things, as astonishing as this sounds, huh, that we don't know, and that his rules against going through certain openings has to do with his will to protect us from things that we can't possibly comprehend. It's kind of like a mother putting a barrier in a doorway to keep a toddler from going into the kitchen where the knives are. I mean, Mommy doesn't do that because she has some need to limit the baby's happiness. She does that because the child is mentally and spiritually incapable of understanding the hazards that are beyond the doorway, and so she puts a barrier in the way. And people need to understand now that behind the inventions uh, that we create to break open, to push through into new barriers, uh, that behind these efforts could be lethal, harmful, unseen, 
deadly forces that are interested in the souls of men, and that these forces since creation have been in play to challenge and overthrow the kingdom of God, and that they certainly are working towards an epic moment in which the full force of the powers of hell will be unleashed upon humanity when Satan comes down in great wrath, knowing that his days are few. You taught me what the meaning of the word, the gates of hell, are, that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus. I think that the bottom line is is that Jesus was telling us probably the most amazingly uh, opening up, if you will, the heavens to us with that statement, what is going to basically be happening. Also remember, God gave us authority, and I'm talking functional authority. We all have legal authority as child of, children of the king, but we don't have functional authority until we have the ability to, to move in that realm, in my opinion. But the binding and loosing, obviously as a former pastor, I'd say 99.99% of the Christian pastors don't understand the binding and loosing. And again, isn't it fascinating, Tom, we're talking about securing or letting go something. Because when you deal with men and some of the most evil men in the world I've ever met or talked to, they talk about this stuff as if, uh, you know, basically it's just going to uh, uh, hell for tea with the devil. And I'm not kidding you. So when, when I've interviewed uh, some of the most amazingly intelligent men, and they take this as a grain of salt and saying, you Christians just don't get it yet, but you will. You know, the point is, is that I believe God has given it to those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, and I don't believe there's a more critical or crucial subject in the world for us to deal with, Tom, because this is why so many people who are, quote, believers are going to be destroyed, because they were never taught spiritual warfare, spiritual conflict, and the supernatural power of the blood of Jesus to not only protect us, but to give us victory over this. And that's how important this show is to me. Well, and look, this happens on different levels. Uh, first of all, for people who don't may not understand what you're saying, um, a lot of the church, not just you know people in general, not just secular people who might listen to me and you, and and until the day it's really important for them to know who we are, they scoff at us. Someday they'll be asking for us, but it, these people miss an important piece of sacred literature and history, including the Testament, that technological inventions were lo- used by Luciferian spirits in the past, even in their original rebellion against God, and that those inventions may still exist. They're hidden away. They do exist. I, I will make and, that. And, and waiting for the right moment to be used again. If, if people understood how much of the intelligence community, I'm not talking about the ones dealing with geopolitics, I'm talking about the ones dealing with spiritually based technology. And one of your questions that we got to get to or that I really want to cover today is that when you said, is there a Stargate in Babylon? Let's yes. go there because I can tell you this. If, if one general active tells you, hey, this is what the, the real issue was in Iraq, everybody thinks it's oil, everybody thinks it's weapons, there's a whole lot more there. The, the quest for ancient technology is accelerated to such a pitch that most people don't even fathom the fact, number one, they won't admit it exists, but I can tell you this, from everybody that I know in that whole world, and I know a lot of people, being on talk radio and a writer, I know a lot of people, but the point is, Tom, is that technology exists. So, let's go immediately to this. Is there a Stargate in Babylon? Because that's exactly what Babylon was. Right. Well, go ahead and answer that, I mean. Yeah, and now, and we can spend a whole lot of time on this show on this subject. I one time had somebody ask me, you know, if 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 stargates are a demonic technology, or for that matter, if UFOs are demonic, why would why would angels need celestial 
uh, either transportation devices or devices which would allow them to enter into uh, our reality. I mean, um, you know, if these are spiritual beings, don't they just kind of pop around wherever they want to go? And um, I pointed out how that that line of thinking is its actually a misconception. It's a different spiritualizing, if you will. Not an over-spiritualizing, a different spiritualizing of uh, who angels and fallen angels are. And partly this comes through Western tradition, but it doesn't line up with the actual biblical and extra-biblical teachings. Viewing angels and demons as either uninterested in or lacking physical or scientific ability is actually a theological mistake. Absolutely. Um, the, 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 as you said a minute ago, the Scripture tells us that the invisible things of God are understood by the things that we can see. And so Scriptures like that uh, lead us to believe that, that Lucifer and his angels may have had technology at their disposal before the Genesis creation, and that they have, may have developed it to a level so far beyond human ingenuity, including stargates, UFOs, those are our modern terms potentially for ancient technology, but so far above our current understanding that they might appear to be supranatural, um, that they developed advanced buildings, cities, stargates, machines, for instance. And I know you know what I mean. Ancient ancient books, however, archaeology support the notion that these Luciferian angels did, in fact, create uh, technologically driven hostile societies, including extraplanetary ones, uh, and even unconventional weapons in their quest to overthrow God. They they literally manufactured advanced combat flying machines, targets, which they used in the Great War against. God in his creation. And if anybody thinks that I'm out on a limb saying that, and I'm sure there's some that are, uh, they need to study ancient literature. Cultures around the world document the fact that this happened, and not just the Hebrew Bible. The Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Greeks, even the ancient Chinese talked about a primeval war involving these gateways and these flying carts. There's a Sanskrit text called the Drona Parva that actually goes into great elaboration documenting the dogfights that, that, that occurred between these ancient uh, between these angels and their flying machines. Now, the good news, as you mentioned a moment ago, is that God defeated Lucifer and his rebellious angels, and he cast them out of the planetary belt over which they had been governing for eons from an area that the prophet Ezekiel called the Stones of Fire. However, the book of Revelation tells us that there's another war coming, a modern battle between good and evil called Armageddon. Um, and some people believe, as I think you and I do, Steve, that at that battle... Well, look, Satan's going to have nothing left to lose. He's going to come down to the earth in great fury, knowing that his days are few, and therefore he's going to pull out all the stops. He's going to unleash every forbidden technology that he has. And his Antichrist, interestingly, is accompanied by fearful sights, lying signs and wonders. Uh, maybe that means something's going to open. There, there's going to be this armada of Satan's advanced physical war machines filling the sky again. But this is important. Um, and, and, and so I want to get to the Babylonian Stargate. It's not just good. We started out this show talking about how flying saucers might be used in a great deception. But it's not just going to be happening in the sky. Uh, just like on Earth, you know, all military invasions that our intelligence would put together would occur by air, land, sea, and now electromagnetic and cyber fields we know from Scripture that this 
cunning invasion of Earth by nefarious forces is going to also be happening, all at the same time, from various platforms, not just an armada in the sky that might cause men's heart to fail for fear. Uh, but these sacred texts tell us of technology here on Earth that leads to openings, gateways that are prophesied to open, through which these ancient gods are going to return, the offspring of the Anunnaki, the flying geniuses, the giants, the Gaborim, that they're coming back to make war. And, um, and another important fact to consider is that the, uh, the ancient records, including the Sumerian texts, tell us that these beings, these Anunnaki, uh, offered weapons technology to Israel's enemies in exchange for their women. Why, why did they do that? Uh, the record says so that the antediluvian females could become host to genetic experiments that actually resulted in the uploading or downloading or sideloading, if you will, of something different, of giants called Nephilim into these partly human bodies. And that also is, is something we need to bring into the mix. Another part of forbidden technology, which I believe is re being repeated, and it's also going to open portals, where scientists may be repeating the sciences of the gods, where pathways and portals allowed for their coming the first time, and that is the changing of man into a Nephilim status. Absolutely. And, and, Tom, it's really critical that people understand the war between the devil and the creator of the universe, the God of all heaven and earth, is the fact that the devil is trying to destroy the very image of mankind that God created in his image and likeness. And basically, that's what Jesus is talking about. If the days weren't short and there'd be no flesh left alive, that actually means that there'd be no descendants of Adam and Eve. So the idea of transforming us through water modification, through our food modification. I've had incredible military intelligence people tell me that the purpose of modifying, genetically modifying food and the air with chemtrails isn't just, quote, to kill us, that too, but it's to genetically change us. And they said, guess what? And I, I give you my word, as and, and people need to pray about this, we're being modified to be a food source. In other words, they are treating us like we become, I think it's the uh, Eloi in the time machine, and the Morlocks are ready to show up. Well, look, we've, all, we've already got evidence that what's happening environmentally right now through genetically modified crops, through potential chemtrails, things like that, already rewriting our DNA. And it is only God who's going to be able to preserve those who are his own because we're the body of Christ. But this technology, it's already off the ground. Uh, we've talked about this on your show before, so we're not going to, obviously not going to do a show on it now because we're talking about all these various right. things that are leading to this, uh, this moment in time of great deception. But this crossing over of species barriers that your friends are telling you about, combined with transhumanist um, interests, Myself and I hope hundreds or thousands of others believe that the world needs to prepare for the, for a reality, Steve, of superhumans. Now, we don't know how long you know you or I or the rest of us are going to be on Earth. But one thing we better prepare for are people that are going to be vastly different than you and I. They're going to be different physically. They're going to be different mentally. They're going to be different spiritually. And in our physical strength, we will not be able to contend with them. We will, we will have to rely entirely on a supernatural power that comes from God, that comes through Christ, or there's no way that we're going to survive because we're talking about the combined sciences that are going to make mankind in the natural stronger, smarter, capable of longer life, 
and 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 uh, and this stuff's already making its way into human use. I mean, you, during the recent Olympics, they were talking about the doping of some of these uh, athletes and how their genetic structure is actually being altered through gene treatments and gene doping. Uh, and this is just representing this treatment not only at an early known stage, it doesn't even hint at where the, the military is 20 or 30 years ahead in this technology. Well, we're talking about human-animal chimeras. We're talking about not <laughs> designer children. Okay, designer children is for, for the public pablum. <laughs> we're talking about DARPA's enhanced war fighters. And, and it's so subtle because, uh, you know, futurists now are telling us that soon, you know, we're going to have personalized medicine based on our individual genetic makeup. It's going to literally rewire our gene structures, and it's going to provide for all these miraculous cures and eternal life uh, that we want so badly. Uh, doesn't that all sound wonderful? But in, but in, uh, in you know, in 2000, it was uh, Dr. J. Uh, Craig Venter. He led this team, you know, that successfully sequenced a complete human genome. But now his foundation, the J. Craig Venter Science Foundation, has joined forces with the XPRIZE Foundation. And they're offering a $10 million prize to the first team that can build a device and use it to sequence 100 genomes within 10 days or less. I'm not making this up. People can look this up at Google or Yahoo. But guess what the name of this prize is? It's called the Archon XPRIZE. Oh, 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 you better yeah. explain what archons are to the Well, look, yeah. First of all, I, I encourage people, go and look this up. If you think I'm making this up, go to their websites and look this up. It's called the Archon X Prize. Now, <laughs> what we know, Steve, is that archons are ancient, powerful, the most powerful, demonic spirits that the Bible identifies as the powers against which we are in spiritual warfare. And even in the literature, the ancient literatures, if you take the less threatening use of the word archon, which could refer to an evil ruler, the question still comes up, what evil ruler or what demonic spirit could these scientists possibly be referring to? What are they looking for in, in, in genetics? What are they looking for that would cause them to, to name this the archon X-Prize. Are they looking for something in the blood? Are they looking some, for something in genetics that they're trying to reactivate? Um, the answer you combine is, all of these, yeah. these different sciences, biotechnology, nanotechnology, neuropharmacology, transgenics, all of these are sciences that seek to, that, that seek to entirely alter what God made. And if you extrapolate this into the very near future, and when I say near future, I mean very near future because we're already doing it now in laboratories around the world, so imagine just even one decade from now, just seven or eight years or ten years from now, the kind of applications that geniuses like Ray Kurzweil or philosophers like Oxford's pro Professor Nick Ostrom envision, where in the very not-too-distant future, humans are going to be combined with synthetic plant and animal genetics. What does that sound like? Which, by the way, is already happening at the embryonic level around the world. It's already happening at above embryonic level and dark budgets, but in any case, if you extend um, what we're already doing into the future, given many people's beliefs that this represents the next step in human evolution, and law schools around the world right now, for people who think that I'm overly speculating here, law schools, Oxford, uh, uh, Stanford, 
the the Birkbeck Law School out of uh, out of England are already hosting transhuman conferences now uh, to determine how the law is going to apply or constitutionally protect these new hybrid humans. There's also universities that are conducting special series of lectures on transhumans to acquaint college students right now with the issues surrounding transhumanism en route to post-human status. Well, if you pay attention to all these quickly emerging facts, it gets easier to see how humans of demigod status, that's all you can compare them to, are going to be a very soon reality. Within uh, a National Geographic magazine said that within, and they actually wrote this, I think two years ago, they said that within ten years, one decade, humans as we know them, as the sole higher intelligent occupiers of planet Earth will cease to be a fact. That in fact many of the Earth's smartest scientists and philosophers right now have already come to accept this eventuality as being unavoidable. Uh, in fact, uh, Steve, I don't know if you saw this, there was a, a headline at the New York Times. This might only be maybe six, seven days ago. We ran it at Raiders News Network, I think, last week, the end of last week. Uh, and the name of the article was called Technology That Outthinks Us Could Become Our Master. Right, did I linked that article? To, yep, I did. I linked to it. And this was Werner Vinge. I mean, he first was the guy, he was the guy who uh, authored The Coming uh, Technological Singularity. And he's got this new book out now, and he's warning uh, that if we don't couple our minds, join ourselves with greater than human artificial intelligence in the near future, then we run the risk of being overcome by and ruled by future AI machines that are part human and, I mean, that are part machine, part biological matter, and that these things might see us as nothing more than cattle. So, according to futurists like Venge, uh, we're not even going to have a, an option, a choice in the near future. So all of, this opens the door to this huge amount of questions from all these disciplines of life. And the, the parts that interest me, of course, uh, are two things. One, uh, what it means on the most intimate level regarding our humanity, who we are, and how all of this portends to change us for good or evil. And secondly, more importantly, it also interests me because of the stargates, the, the pathways, the portals that we want to talk about, which are can be both physical and metaphysical and supernatural, uh, supernatural things that can be opened. You know, uh, Professor Bostrom, he actually earned his prestigious seat at Oxford University for his thesis on transhumanism. And in his thesis on transhumanist values, if you go and read it at his website, uh, nickbostrom.com, he goes into great length illustrating how combining us with animals and other uh, synthetic biological matter is going to result in opening portals, new modes of perception. And he talks about how animals, you know, can hear at higher decibels, how they can navigate using sonar and so on. And he talks about how uh, some can even see into different wavelengths of the light spectrum. And, of course, on a spookier note, that might mean future humans, near-future humans, who can see into and interact with what we call the spirit world. Right, and I think we're talking, too, about 
when I want to go back to what Ventnor was looking for, Tom. They were looking and still continue to look for. They're looking for the seed of the Nephilim. They're looking for the, the, the fallen ones. That's why so many giant finds when you have molars and you have actual entities from the past, they're, they're reconfiguring that. The British Museum was going to bring back Ramses almost 10 years ago. But I think the thing is, when you're dealing with non-human intelligence, we need to talk about pre- or non-human pre-intelligence that's occupying. In other words, you know, we, we've got this classic, I, I get it thrown up in my face all the time, well, you're just talking about Neanderthal, Steve, we're talking about giants. I'm talking about things with so highly developed psychic abilities, uh, with such knowledge that absolutely in the natural mind and the natural man, and these things, by the way, have a way of even tricking those who are releasing them, we are, we are going to create a, a, a situation where literally, only the remnant by the power of God can be kept from being, quote, uh, assimilated in the Borg. So what Ventnor and those guys were doing, they're looking for the seed of the Nephilim. And they're also really big. Tom, I had too many people tell me this, that are, are high-ranking and, and through all all of the different areas of the government, they're looking for the bloodlines. Well, they're not just talking about the Habsburgs, and they're not just talking about the, the, the you know, the nonsense about Mary Magdalene and Jesus and, and the Knights Templar. They're talking about the supernatural bloodlines that God put an end to. And isn't it interesting that now all of this talk about human, you can sum it all up. We, we just said it in the first hour or first uh, two-hour show we did. These entities coupled with the scientists are cooperating for the total destruction, annihilation, end of all mankind. And that's what I believe is so amazing about the words of Jesus. You see, what you and I are talking about is beyond the veil. What you and I are talking about is, is the, if you will, the presentation of knowledge so that God's people won't be destroyed. And it only gets more extreme from here. No one in the world that I know of outside, and I, I don't say this, but I don't think there's any Christians taking this on further and faster and deeper than you and I have. Is that no, Absolutely not. You know, and the reason they're not is because most of them say, well, it doesn't affect me. Well, I say, maybe you ought to change the word to infect you, and uh, maybe you would get a different handle on it. So we're talking about the absolute, if, if today, by the grace of God, through his infinite mercy, I really believe the Lord is opening the veil for those who have ears to hear and those who have eyes to see, to get a glimpse, because outside of the Lord Jesus, Jesus said there's never been a time like this, Tom, never, even in antiquity, even in uh, uh, pre-Adamic intelligence, like that's coming, and I can't even wrap my mind around that. Can you really? Well, what I can say is, Steve, that what you and I are talking about now is singularly probably the most, inter uh, not just interesting, important point that ought to be being talked about. It, it still continues to astonish me that we don't hear the national voices, the talking heads for the Christian community addressing these issues when the president's own counsel on bioethics, Leon Cass, after hearing what was presented uh, in the uh, Council on Bioethics came out of that. He wrote a book, but he talked about how that this is singularly the most important issue uh, ever facing mankind. Other scientists have come forward and said it's the most frightening technology the world has, has ever faced and that it could literally lead to an extinction-level event for the human race. Well, these are the president's, these are the pre president's council members, and yet... What, uh, we, uh, what's the church doing? I'm not being critical, by the way. I was a pastor for 25 years. I love the church. I love the people in the church. But getting up on every Sunday morning and talking about, you know, three points to live a happy, healthy life, 
that's all wonderful, but we better start facing the, the serious issues that are not being talked about. Something that quite possibly ties all of the issues you and I have been talking about, Steve, together. Uh, stargates and portals, those who come through them and are going to again, according to prophecy, or already are. Biotechnology and transhumanism. The idea of a Babylonian stargate, perhaps that we may be, uh, even if we don't know it, partially why we may be the United States that is in Iran and Iraq and Babylon at this very time. So, so first of all, we're seeing science that parallels what the gods or the watchers of antiquity did, uh, where new life forms are being created through the blending of species. And these ancient stories tell us that this created a body, a portal, into which the gods downloaded themselves, or uploaded themselves, or incarnated themselves, pick whatever term you want to use, they left their reality, according to Enoch, according to Genesis, according to the book of, the books of Peter, the book of Jude, and, and um, the question for us then might be, could we today create something, are we creating something through our willingness to cross over the species barrier which God commanded us not to do? where we're making things that are part human, part animal, part plant, part synthetic. If people go to Raiders News Network today, there's an article that Donna put up over there, or maybe she put it up yesterday, where uh, they're creating part human, part pig, chimeras. And But these things can't be killed at 14 days. The reason I know they're not be, they're not going to be is because they're being raised to a mature level so that they can produce organs for xenotransplantation, for the, for the transplanting. Uh, of humanized organs inside of pigs, inside of humans. Steve, we're talking about pigs that are part human being grown to such maturity that the organs can be transplanted. We're doing this now. We're <laughs> are, but are these going to be things that, like the ancient uh, identicals of them, are capable of appearing into and interacting with dimensions that exist around us but that are invisible to the human eye? In other words... Biotech and related sciences, and I am, by the way, I am headed towards the, the Babylonian Stargate you asked me about. No, no, I, under, I know, I'm following together. you. I know exactly where you're going. Um, <laughs> tell us that this happened once before, uh, and 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 that biotech and this altering of the human species might be a repeat of that ancient science, which allowed, which will allow. Let's put it into the very near future. Will allow for the return of the Anunnaki, the the incarnation of what Eric von Däniken doesn't understand, not just the chariots of the gods, the beings of extraordinary condition that came to the earth, semigods and demigods like Gilgamesh, which you wrote about in your book, the giants who walk the earth. And whose body was taken by special operations in Iraq when the tomb of Gilgamesh was found. Well, okay. and to support that, Steve, now... Partly what you're saying is based on intelligence that you receive, but people can go back, probably can still go back, and just Google in Yahoo and find the actual, you know, UPI or whatever it was, news report that came out when the archaeologists there in Iran, Iraq were um, doing their archaeological dig and came upon the grave marker for Gilgamesh, and, and immediately the military swoops in, and that's the end of anything that we know about it unless you've got some kind of intelligence information. Well, I do, and, and I want to share this with you. I do, and the, the, also the thing is is that 
the Stargate, the technological aspect of the Stargate, was so critical, mission critical. Oh boy, now I'm going to really, uh, I'm going to do this in such a way that different parts of it were sequestered in different parts of the world. You follow me? In other words, it's almost like uh, uh, something people would read in a science fiction novel where the people who are wise, and there have been those men and women who God has, Tom, that have protected us from this stuff. And it's not a secret society where everybody goes around in robes. These are men and women who are dedicated, but they're also very, very, what how do I say, under the surface. They're so dark that, you know, that when I say dark, I don't mean uh, morally dark. Oh, I, I got you. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, is that what people don't understand is, did we not build, sir, the largest military complex pretty much, I think one of the largest military complexes, by the actual square footage in the very area that we're talking about, what is there, or quote, like one general said, it's not what's on top, Steve, it's what's underground. He said when people see the pyramids, when they see the great temples of the world, they only look at what's above ground. He said what's really underground is where all the action is. So, Tom, isn't it interesting that if the military has Gilgamesh, okay, and but for the record, he was part man, he would be considered a Rephaim, a Nephilim, you know. Uh, the bottom line is he was a giant. And, and, and people used to remember, they thought that was just, oh, just some kind of right. poet, you know, a uh, 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 Babylonian poet. Uh-uh, he was a real guy. And he really fought but monsters. One of the things I think people need to understand, you said something that's so critical. Most people think that the fallen angels just basically polluted the seed of woman. And they always say, well, Jesus said in heaven they're neither taken nor given in marriage. That's in heaven. These guys didn't stay, as Jude says, right. in the estate that God created them. But, you know, it's fascinating because I have fragments of the Book of Giants, part of the Dead Sea Scrolls that are on my website that talks about them absolutely going after everything. Now, I don't know how, you know, you have sex with plant life or, I, you know, it's easy to figure it out with animal. But the great mythological creatures that you and I deal so much time with or, we, you know, we we spend a lot of time with this stuff isn't based on just the caricatures of Marvel Comics uh, 4000 BC. This is the actual records, uh, voluminous records throughout the world that these fallen entities polluted everything. Everything that God created and saw that's good, these entities are trying to destroy and basically impregnate with their seed of rebellion. And when you talk about Gilgamesh, and we're talking about Babylon, we're talking about the plains of Shinar, we're talking about Iraq, the thing is, is I find it fascinating that the very Babylonian gateway to the gods, and by the way, there are, there are as I've been told, there are literally hundreds and hundreds of portals throughout the earth, okay, and what we would call stargates. The question is, is that Babylon is the most amazing one because it obviously wrought, uh, or brought about God's wrath and intervention in the language of the peoples on earth, but God had to literally uh, dissipate, if you will, the population of the plains of Shinar because what did he say? What did God say if, they, if mankind in the rebellion got that technology? You remember what he said. They would, they would basically, nothing would be kept from them, right? Right, that's right. So, uh, I'm sorry, it just, you know how wound up I get when you well, and no, I get... And, and, and Steve, I love it. You, last week you said you love it when I get on a roll. I love it when you get wound up. <laughs> yeah, listen, I, I'm wound tighter than a 40-day clock. Because this stuff <laughs> well, you're certainly more of a scholar uh, in this area than I am. I'm more of a researcher and a speculator. You know, you, you mentioned a, m- a minute ago how in the world did the Watchers have sex with plants. Yep. Um, but, but what if it, you know, what if it wasn't, um, what if it wasn't, sex 
per se. Right. But it was an it was an intercourse via. Well, you know what? Well, look, what, well, what are we doing right now? We can implant women using science to have different kinds of babies, and these and these some of these these mixed hybrid embryos. Some of the ethicists and scientists, bio uh, bioethicists, who were um, recently conversing before the um, before the United Kingdom, before they went ahead and approved the creation by application of these mixed hybrid uh, human-animal chimeras, some of their own bioethicists were saying that once you approve this science, it's only inevitable that at some point we are going to be implanting these mixed hybrids into women and bringing them to full maturity. And it was some of the Catholics, uh, Catholic Church's own bishops that got up and said that if a woman who contributes uh, ovum or whatever for the producing of these embryos, if she should suddenly get a conscious attack and wants to have... Uh, this baby as her own, then she has the moral, ethical uh, right to be able to make that case in the court of law. She ought to be able to have this baby and raise it to full maturity. So I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I can't separate science from what we're talking about. I mean, I'm, not, I, I think what happened with the watchers and the plants and the animals and the humans was the kind of science that we're talking about today, not just you know, natural sexual intercourse. Somehow they embodied themselves. They took women for wives and they had babies. We're talking about the use of science to blend DNA that was then somehow inserted into women and they gave birth to these things. And by the way, how do you have sex with animals? People can look this up. Just last week uh, at Oxford University, not Nick Bostrom, but another scientist from Oxford University actually advocating that near-future humans blend themselves with animals, but he added something else, also with plants. He said so that uh, future humans would be, have the ability to produce their own photosynthesis. So, Steve, we're seeing we're seeing right now the the, the rolling out of the kind of end time prophecy that the the prophets foresaw the the redoing, if you will. Um, and and you mentioned this, uh, you know, building this giant military base in Babylon. We've, we're also building our largest embassy in the world there with the largest air force at one of our embassies um, to protect it. It's ten times the size, ten times the size of any embassy we've built anywhere else. Now, why would we have such an interest in ancient Babylon? Now, isn't that extraordinary? And this Gilgamesh, who you talk about, who was recovered, what what does the Bible, what does uh, ancient literature, the Sumerian text and other literature say about him? It says he was a mighty man of old. Same language that's used in the, the book of Genesis. And, and, and it is my belief that the kind of biotechnology we're talking about now, it, it's my belief that it is too identical to just be a coincidence. That it could be the new body watcher mechanism, if you will, the stargate, the portal, in the same way that the Amorite and Hebrew texts as well as other ancient records describe how essentially the daughters of men, the antediluvian women, these other creatures of the time and plant life became, quote, fit extensions, pathways, portals for the embodiment of ultra-terrestrial unknowns. In other words, given the right body made up of blended species, according to these ancient records, this created the portal through which the gods could return or or could come, or rise from their places, in, in actual bodily form, not like these, not like these alien graves, so-called 
come now where they seem to be more amorphous and they come through a slit in the fabric of reality and they appear and disappear. We're talking about beings that walked on earth, giants of superhuman status who, who because of their power and their size, ruled ancient empires. That, that's the ancient record. And it was also the ancient record of the Bible until some of the books of the Bible were expunged. Secondly, right, and I think that one of the things that is remarkable to me is that given the knowledge that has been accumulated, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it, that the illuminated ones, the ones that are preparing the earth for their coming uh, false uh, 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 man of perdition, the guys that control all the great banking families, control the Dead Sea Scrolls or the ancient artifacts, Tom, what I've found is a central theme is that this knowledge that these entities possess that they share with mankind, it's only to get them to cooperate with their God-given authority as men created the image of God to release them. I asked a general one time, I said, sir, I said, why is it that, that these men are releasing these entities? Which brings me, when we get in the second hour, we're going to talk about the, is it Kasetat? Yes. And the magic bands, because in, in, in magic bands, the word magic is the definition that people use when they don't understand something. But there's literally scriptures that talk about God having not only bound specific angels, but also that these angels are talking uh, in the Psalms even about breaking the bands right. that have kept them from messing with humans. So what I'm telling you is, is that when, when I've talked to men who, and, and I think, Tom, the only thing that, uh, you know, I, I would probably do you say more aware of is the fact that those who try and keep these things sealed when they come through the gates, okay, there are actual people out there, I mean everybody from the Russians, the Chinese, everybody, when they find these things in a state of stasis or a basically suspended animation, they want to strip the bands on their wrists and on their neck and on their ankles off, ankle bracelets, and they don't understand that it is the binding power of God that had his... Uh, his believers in past centuries and past eons to bind these things. And now everybody's out there on the false promise that basically it, it boils down to this, that if you help us, humans, we're going to make you gods. We're going to give you eternal life, and don't worry about standing before uh, uh, the God of heaven because we've now become the gods of heaven. And I think, Tom, that's what's astonishing because basically these things are playing in to mankind's, ye shall be as gods. You know, that's exactly where they're at. Well, and as I'm looking at the clock, I have the feeling that we're getting ready yep. to go to the break. We didn't allow for the break at the bottom of the hour, right. so that we're going to pick this up probably in the second hour. Yes, we will. So we'll get right back. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Q Files. I'm Steve Quayle. This is Tom Horn, my guest. 9-9, September 9th, year is 2008. We'll be right back after station identification. <laughs> 